Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema for Ariella Botnelia. I am really excited to have on today's show Rebbitson Slavi Youngrice Wolf. Rebbitson Slavi is a highly skilled teacher and lectures worldwide on relationships and parenting. She is the leader of Hanani Couples and the daughter of Rebbitson Esther Youngrice. Rebbitson Slavi is the author of the amazing parenting book, Raising a Child with Soul. Wow, you have accomplished so much. Please tell us more about yourself. Thank you so much. So first and foremost, I am a mother and a wife and a bubby. <laughs> and I love to just meet different Jewish women and Jewish couples all over the world when I speak, because every community that I'm invited into, I really am inspired. So besides going and being able to lecture and speak, which Baruch Hashem I'm getting back into right now, despite COVID, I have groups of women and couples that I teach in Hineni, and now we just started a young post-college group of very special, you know, young leadership, I call it, and we study Torah together, and it's just very inspirational for me myself. I also teach in Manhattan High School for Girls, and I write for Ami Magazine and the Jewish Press and Ish.com, so Baruch Hashem. I can say that I really feel very privileged to get to know different parts of Am Yisrael, the Jewish people. That is beautiful. It's really beautiful and it's very, very special. Thank you. Um, I know that you're passionate about sharing Jewish wisdom to guide us through life. And I feel like one of the areas of life where we could really all use some guidance is raising kids. Parenting now is not what it was in previous generations. Today, the goal of many parents is just for their child to be happy. And we will do just about anything, buy just about anything to put a smile on our kids' faces. I mean, kids are given so much in terms of material things, toys, games, vacations, books. They're given so much, but they always want more. And more doesn't ever seem to be enough. And the kids don't even seem to be happy. I almost feel like giving our kids so much creates a type of emptiness in them, like a bottomless pit that can never really be filled with anything material. And although they do say thank you, they don't seem to be deeply and sincerely grateful. And I was wondering, what can we do to help our kids be truly happy and to instill authentic gratitude in them to make them not only be thankful for what they have, but also to inspire them to pay it forward and to give generously to others? I think that, as you said, our children do have so much, and I write about that a lot. In fact, a lot of what you just said, I definitely know that I've written about and, and write those words exactly. So I relate to that. Yes. We are also living in a time of tremendous anxiety for children where school is on and school is off. They're dealing with a pandemic and a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion. There's a dark side right now. To think that we can fill that dark side and the emptiness and the loneliness, which is what people describe now, loneliness, anxiety, feeling lost, stressed. We can't fill that space with things. Right. But instead of giving more things or presence, we have to give more of our own presence in a child's life, meaning a connection and time. Despite the fact that parents today are extremely stressed out and it's understandable, what children are looking for is a feeling of safety. When I feel safe, I feel loved. 
When I feel safe, I feel connected. If I don't get that love at home from my parents, then I will go other places and find the love and the affirmation there. Those are the places that we don't want our children to go because it's either online or friends who might be giving them some bad messages. So we have to be very careful not to confuse things with love. Exactly. Once we're able to give our children time, then you will see that the connection opens up and they'll be happier. Lonely people are unhappy. Children who are feeling anger, really behind the anger is usually some pain. And the pain of some children feeling as if they're never good enough or very frustrated with what's going on in the world. Everyone has dreams and sometimes the dreams don't happen. Life is not always what you think it will be. Instead of getting our children happy, I can't, I can't make you happy. I can give you tools for happiness. That's really what chinuch, what education is, to give a child tools for happiness, for resilience, to know that if I sweat and I try hard, even if it's not what I thought it would be, I tried so hard, I'm still loved by my parents, I'm still accepted by my parents, and I can be proud of whatever it is that I've done. I can look back and say, you know what, I did my best. I did my best. That's really what a child needs today. That's really a beautiful message. I, I agree. When a child feels loved and accepted by their parents, when their parents are spending time with them and really and truly connecting to them, you know, that one-on-one -on -one deep soul connection, you know, I get you, you know, from parent to child, I really do feel that it helps them feel safe and secure and less anxious. Yes. But when you're emotional or you're stressed out, it's very hard to stop what you're doing as a parent. Yes. You have a work email coming. You have other kids on you. You have to make dinner. You you have stress of life. You have to get your, your other child to the orthodontist. And this one needs to go to the gym. And this one needs the speech therapist. There's so much going on in a parent's life. So you have to stop sometimes and realize that what is my goal here? Is my goal just to get through dinner? Is my goal just to get them to bed? Is my goal just to separate them so they stop fighting? Or is my goal to create family? Because you don't have limitless amount of time with your children. Very true. That's the truth. <laughs> That's yeah. the truth. As much as you think you do, you don't. Wow. Um, well, also another aspect of life that we didn't have as much growing up as our kids do now is technology. I mean, technology is king. From morning to night, our kids are on a device, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad or a video game, their faces are always glued onto a screen. And then they get moody when we try to divert their attention from the screen. It's like an addiction. And I want to see what you would say to mothers who want to teach their kids that just because they have five minutes of unstructured time, it doesn't mean that they have to turn to technology. Well, I think that we're the role models for that. So when we have five minutes of time in the car, am I on my phone? Or am I checking social media? And most of us, if we're honest, will say yes. This is true. If you take your child out, I'm sorry, to a restaurant, um, and you're just taking them casually out, or you're going out as a family, just look. And from the youngest to the parents, everyone's on their phone or a device. If I want that connection that we just spoke about with my children, then I have to start with me. 
and I have to just put the phone down. Whether you have a little toddler and you're reading them a story or putting them to bed or you're playing, how many times you read a book and the phone's in your other hand? True. Or as your children get older and they reflect everything that they've seen all these years. So to them, it's normal. We didn't grow up with this, but they are growing up with a phone being another limb of the body. <laughs> and even when you go to sleep, it's with you. You know, you wake up in the night. There's a lot of teenagers out there and they're not sleeping in the night because their phone is next to the bed. So somebody's texting them two in the morning and they're testing back. We have to really make sure that those phones are off, that the minute we get into the car or we have that silence, you don't go to the phone. And you'll notice that if you're with someone who picks up their phone, you're going to pick up your phone. Yes. Because you don't want to be the one who's not doing that. You don't want to be that like loser who's not busy with something. Somebody needs me on the phone. If you'd look at most people when they're on the phone, they're not even talking to anybody. They're just checking something, you know, and scrolling and going to the next site. But you don't want to be left alone. So you get on your phone and this becomes a vicious cycle. This is very true. We really have to check ourselves as parents and like really be present and focused on our actions because our actions are reflected in our children. This is a really, really good point. It's, it's called in the Torah, when Yosef was in Mitzrayim, Joseph was in Egypt, and he was about to succumb to sin. Don't forget, he was 17 years old. He's a teenager, and he was all alone, the only Jew in Egypt. He was sold by his brothers. He lost his mother. He didn't know if anybody was looking for him or if anybody cared. And what saved him in the last moment? He's the only one who's really called a tzaddik, a righteous person, Yosef a tzaddik, Joseph the righteous one, because he saves himself from terrible anguish and from making an awful mistake. Most of us, teenagers, adults, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're sometimes put into a position where you are about to make a terrible mistake. And what saves you? So we look in the Torah, everything's in the Torah. It was the image of his father. When he saw his father, he saw the image of his mother. He said, I can't possibly do this. Look where I've come from. And if a child has an image of a father or mother with them, that image remains with you when the child goes to school, when the child goes to college, when the child goes to camp, when the child's out on their own, you know, on a job, whatever it is, you ask yourself, what would my father say? What would my mother say? And you hear the voice and you see the image. And that's what Torah teaches us. So when you do have that opportunity to imprint on your child through your actions, it's so much louder than when you give a speech. It's the image that stayed in the mind of Yosef, not the words, the image of his father. Wow, that's very, very key and so true. It is the image. We can talk and talk. I mean, how many of us lecture our children until our faces are blue? Are the same lecture every single day and they just they just don't remember. You know, they, they, they tune you out at some point. You know, they're not they tune you out, exactly as you say. They tune you out because it doesn't make a difference. You you can't give speeches. It doesn't work. It, it really doesn't, doesn't work. No, I agree. Especially in today's generation where, you know, when you're on technology, it's boom, boom, boom. You know, if this is boring, you go to the next. So what do you think as you're giving this long speech? In their head, they're already going to the next. Right. 
right? Exactly. Because our kids have such a short attention span, so short, you know, they're not going to be sit there and listen to you talk for 30 minutes, much less five minutes. Like they're, they're on after two minutes, they've moved on already. Right. And, and you just keep going on and on about the same thing. And then how it happened last month and yesterday and three months ago. And you have to choose your words wisely. You have to choose your tone wisely. Communication is also about tone. Yes. It's not just about words. And you have to choose how you spend your time with your child wisely also. So that time is very precious, especially as children grow, because teenagers spend a lot more time with their friends or on their phones than with you. Very true. So yes. In that little window of time, what are you going to do? How are you going to build instead of be destructive? Right, right. It's about building the connection, the relationships, like you were saying earlier. Exactly. How will you bring them closer instead of pushing away? If every time you criticize your child, you have that time together. Every time they walk through the door at night, you know, after a day of school, you, you start now with how they left their room or they didn't do their homework or they didn't finish their report or they left this at home and that at home, then you're pushing that child away. It's for sure. It's that negative communication. They don't want to hear it. And then they shut you out. And then, then, then that's that. Then it's harder to get in because they don't want, they don't want to hear from you. Right. So it doesn't mean that you never discipline and it right. doesn't mean there's never consequences, right. but it can't only be discipline and it can't only be consequences and it can't only be anger. Right. You have to ask yourself as your child grows, is there a balance? Do we have a connection? Is there communication? Is there a relationship? Does my child trust me? Am I that figure in my child's life that they can look back at this time together and know that I've got their back and I walk the walk and I talk the talk and it's not just words. You know, it's putting a lot of onus on the parents. It, it really is because it's us taking responsibility for our actions. And I mean, for sure, it's easier said than done, but it's, you know, we have to monitor how much time we spend on our phones. We have to monitor how much time we're spending with our children. And when we're with our children, what are we doing with our children? We really have to be mindful of our words, of our actions, of our activities, you know, how we conduct ourselves, who we are, how we present ourselves. There's a lot that goes into it. Of course, of our reactions, if something yes. doesn't go right. Okay. Parenting is the most difficult job. It really is. And you don't, you're not done. You don't walk away from it at the end of the night. You don't just turn off your emails and tell the boss I'm done. You're never done. Okay. You're never done. So you have to really ask yourself. And, and if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, wow, I made terrible mistakes and I don't have that connection and I, I do lose myself, what, whatever it is, it's never too late to pick up the pieces. I want to tell that to all the listeners right now. Don't be hard on yourself. Tomorrow's another day and it's never too late to love your child. That's very comforting and it's very encouraging because I bet a lot of people, I mean, I think we all have, I think we've all made a mistake here or there, you know, of that course. we have, you know, disconnected. We're human beings. For sure, for sure. Human beings. And that's why it's so important to study Torah because everything's in the Torah. So I always look at the challenges that or all of our forefathers and matriarchs and patriarchs and kings and prophets, everything they've gone through, all their challenges and pain, their relationships for sure. is for us to be able to look at and say, wow, that really resonates. And that's how we have to teach our children Torah, that it's relevant and inspiring and I'm passionate about it 
it's alive for me today. It's very beautiful. And I want to touch on one aspect you were saying about discipline. I mean, I really did want to ask you about discipline because there are so many kids who have chutzpah and who answer back rudely and who have no self-control. And I want to see how we can properly discipline our children so that we can raise respectful adults. Well, that's a whole class on discipline, which obviously we won't be able to do now. I have to say, I do have a great chapter on discipline in my book. And thank you, Raising a Child with Soul. And I will be having a new parenting book with God's help coming out in 2022. So look out for that. Very exciting. And there's a lot of discipline in that. But I would have to say that discipline does not mean that you wait for things to get terrible, and then you just start screaming or criticizing. Okay, discipline means that there's order, what we call Seder, that children know what to expect. There are rules in a house, and it's not that one day this is allowed and one day it's not allowed because I'm in a bad mood or I had a bad day. I'm consistent. I don't always say no, but I do sometimes say no. And when I do say no, I mean the no, and your begging and crying and tantrums are not going to change my no. So I have to put a lot of thought into the moments that I say no. But I say yes also. I'm not a general, okay? It's not that there are punishments going on. There's natural consequences for what you do. That's part of what we call a responsibility. So you leave your balls or your bat and your mitt out in the rain, it's going to get ruined. And no, we don't just get another one. And we have to talk about that. There's consequences. You don't do your homework. There's going to be natural consequences. Then I guess, I'm sorry for you, but you can't stay up late doing all types of things because you didn't use your time well. Now we have to talk about your time. You don't get up on time for school. Obviously, you're not getting enough sleep. I guess I'm sorry for you. You're going to have to go to sleep earlier. I mean, there's natural consequences in life for things that you do. And that's how we teach responsibility. That's beautiful. That is, that is, that is the way to do it. It's not just screaming and yelling. It's really teaching. Discipline is really, really teaching right from wrong. And like you said, natural consequences. If you, if you tear your coat or if you lose your, if you lose your bag or something, we're not racing out to the store to buy another one to replace it. You know, life, life is not disposable. You know, we really life have to. Life is not disposable. People are not disposable. Yes. You hurt somebody, you have to ask for forgiveness. You have to say, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just like, so who cares? There are consequences in life when you do things and there's good consequences too. And we have to remember that also to notice the good and not just the bad. Right, exactly. And to, and to compliment our kids and to point out to them when they're doing something good. Effort, effort counts also. Okay, if you have a child who's, it's very hard for him to sit down and do his homework. Then when he starts getting up to get his books, notice it. Wow, that's very responsible. Use words that show the action instead of just saying things like, oh, that's amazing. Amazing means nothing. But describe the action that you're seeing in terms of character. And you're going to see that your child will grow towards that character because you're defining him as that person, responsible, 
sensitive kind. All these different things, these different words that you're going to use as descriptions is going to be who that child internalizes that he is. The same way that if you keep saying, oh, you're so stubborn, you're such a baby, you're such a kvetch, you know, what's your problem? Then that child thinks, I'm a kvetch, I'm irresponsible, I'm such a baby. So let's turn it the other way. Instead of going to the negative, let's use it for the positive. It's very constructive. I like that. It's very constructive and it's very productive. It really works. It does. We learned it also from the Torah. Hashem says, when Hashem created Adam, the first man, Hashem says, Lo Adam it's not good for Adam to be by himself. Why didn't Hashem just say, why didn't God say it's bad? Because you always try to use a positive word. It's not bad. It's not good. It's not good. That's so interesting. Try to go to the positive, even when you're trying to say a negative. I like that. I have to think about that. Yeah. And it does. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Why would you want to be negative? Why would you want to bring in that negative energy? Just take the positive and make the kids grow to the light. So you don't say that was mean. First of all, you never call a child, you never label a child, oh, you're so mean, right? You could say what you did was, now you can either say mean or you could say it wasn't nice. Right. So when you, when you use positive, even when it's negative, your child is going to grow from that. I know that you're better than that. You're a nice kid. You're a, you're a nice person. I believe in you. And that wasn't nice. So go on and on. How did you do that? That's so mean. I can't believe it. You'll get much further with the child and you're still giving discipline. I'm not saying ignore. But I'm saying lift a child up with your words. Believe in your child and let them know that you believe in them. It's that lifting up that's the key. It really, really is. Exactly. Exactly. Because who will believe in your child if not you? A hundred percent. There's no one left sometimes. It has to be you. That's right. That's right. Um, I want to ask you one last question. Um, and it was also about something that we touched on earlier about anxiety. Um, something that another issue, it comes up so, so often. People talk to me about it all the time anxiety. Kids are so anxious this, these days. They're anxious about an upcoming test, about a social event, about being liked by others. They have a million thoughts a day that lead them to become like really, really genuinely anxious. And in many cases, that anxiety is so severe that it interferes with their life. They can't get up in the morning to go to school. They can't be in social situations because they have this crippling anxiety. And as parents, we want to help them. And I want to see what advice you can give to parents so that they can help their children reduce anxiety. Okay, that's a great question. In fact, I don't know if you saw it, there was a New York Times article that came out yesterday that spoke about the anxiety that our kids are facing. And they, they use all types of words. It just comes down to anxiety and therapists today have no room to even see more patients. Okay, that is our world that we live in. So how do we help children with anxiety? First of all, we have to make them feel as if we feel safe ourselves. If you get hysterical or all dramatic about things, then a child will reflect your emotion. So I can't have a child feel in control or not nervous if his mother or his father act very out of control and nervous. You know, 
it comes from tone. Tone gives a sense of reliability. It's okay. We're going to get through this. Okay. It's how you say something. So either you could say, oh, just stop already, right? You could yes. say, it's going to be okay. Or, oh, stop. It's going to be okay. Okay. Just stop. Right over there, you produced something through your tone. You could have the same words, but your tone is not transmitting calm. Very true. Okay. We, we are told, which means that words of the wise are given through nachas, through a gentle tone. So important. If you want your child to respect you and think that you're smart and wise and you're a leader and you're a guide for him, then you need to convey that sense of it's okay. You can't be hysterical. And you can't be all you know, dramatic about things and they can't hear you calling them your mother and your sister-in-law and your friends like, oh my gosh, did you hear what happened? So that's number one, which we spoke about modeling. Yes. Number two, prayer. The child should see that you pray, that you have faith, that you believe in God, you believe in Hashem, and you give the child the tools for prayer. Just saying the Shema every night. You know, after 9-11, I remember I was giving parenting classes and a lot of the parents were saying that their children are just completely freaking out. <laughs> you saw that the towers going down. I mean, it was unbelievable. Or you see the photos and the pictures and so many people missing it. What will happen? At that point, so much changed in our country and in our lives. We had never experienced terror like that in this country, maybe in Israel, other countries, but not here. I ask that the parents teach their children at night to say Hamalach HaGol after Shema. Hamalach HaGol, that the Malach and the angels could watch over me. And this was the blessing that Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, gave over before he died to Yosef, to Joseph, and to his children, Menashe and Ephraim. And he said, the angels who watched over me should watch over you and your children. That feeling of being watched over by angels by knowing that there's a God in this world, by having faith, by being able to just lean back and there's a God who's watching over me, gives tremendous solace and comfort. We cannot discount the power of prayer. We must give our children that ability to pray, to communicate to Hashem, to God every single day, to know in a comforting way, not a scary way. There's a God in this world and he watches you and he watches over you. He protects you and he knows what's good for you. He knows what's best for you. And he loves you. Ahavas Hashem, the love of God. That's number two. And number three, to be able to be raised in a home where we said there is Seder order, which means that a child knows what to expect. It's not that one day parents are angry and one day parents are okay with the same exact behavior. It's not that I lose myself when you don't do well in school as long as you're trying but you have to try you have to try and if you didn't get a hundred or or even 90 or 80 it's okay i love you the same if for some reason things are going south for you this year then we have to talk about that and discover why and how can we make it better but i'm not coming from a place of judging and no matter what every friday night no matter how hard the week and how difficult the week we bless our children. That was always our minhag. That was always our tradition growing up. 
my parents would place their hands on my head and they would bless me. And it was just such a beautiful tradition. And I do the same now for my children, as does my husband, because that's a moment of love and blessing that no matter what, I'm here for you and I love you. If we can give our children that and encourage them, they're stronger than we think. We try so hard to protect them from any disappointment or sweat. You know, it's too hard for them to study for this test or it's too much work or they're not in the bunk that they want to be. They're not sitting next to, you know, their friend in school and it won't be good. They didn't get the teacher I thought that they would get. It's okay. Sometimes you're going to strike out in Little League or you're not going to get the main part of the play. You're going to fail the test and you're not going to fall apart because you're going to try again. You're going to pick yourself up. And here we go. You're much stronger than you think you are. So it's not that I do the work for you, but I encourage you to be the best that you can possibly be and find that magic in the child. It's not always grades and it's not always smarts. When it comes to a test, sometimes it's a sense of humor and personality. Sometimes there's a child who's great at sports. Sometimes there's a child who's great at, at baking or art or creativity or music. Now, how do I take the talent that the child has to make this world into a better place? If I can do that, then there is what we call chias, which means vitality and life. If I feel vibrant, then I don't have to feel anxious because I have a purpose in this world. And it's so important to have a purpose in this world. It makes you, makes you wake up with a sense of confidence, a sense of I have something to do, a sense of focus, a sense of direction. And it's really, really important for all Self-esteem. people. Self-esteem, absolutely. Yes. Self-esteem. Anxiety comes when I feel like I have no control. No, we don't have control. God is in this world. Hashem is in charge of everything. And we certainly know that if the pandemic taught us anything, but at the same time, if I have faith and I trust in God and I can trust my parents and I can trust my teachers, then I can trust the world that I live in to be a good place. So even if I'm sometimes anxious or worried, I can push it away with a positive thought to teach our children the power of positivity. It's not, oh, it's impossible. I give up. Okay. No, like, you can do this. It's okay. What's your biggest fear? To fail? I love you the same. But you'll never know if you didn't try. Definitely, for sure. And it's such an important message. It's such an important message. Everything that you said today was very key. It was very out point and it's very practical. It's things that we as parents can implement in our home to help raise wonderful, happy, healthy, resilient children. Absolutely. And you know where it starts? It's in the Torah. With us. In the yes. Torah, yes. <laughs> but I, it has to start with us. We have to believe in ourselves and our power to parent. Yes. Oh, for a, sure. A lot of parents don't believe in themselves very hard on themselves or they put themselves down so yes use the torah as your guide the torah is our guide for everything for parenting for relationships for life for marriage for friendship to be purposeful i've never seen a situation not in the torah so drink it in and you will see that it will quench the thirst and give you that wisdom for life 
Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebbe and Slavi, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Rebbe Sins. We really, really appreciate you being here. And we hope that everything we learned today will be for the Rafua Shalema of Ariella Batnelia. If anyone has any questions or would like to sponsor a podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I wish you tremendous blessing and bracha and hatzlach and success as you continue to collect all the wisdom that you do and share with others. Thank you so much. Thank you.